Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Lessons from everyday entrepreneurs to help you in your business and to achieve your business goals and dreams. I'm your host, Adam Kipnis. Today, I'm here with my good friend, Stuart Gethner of Gethner Education, coaching and consulting. He's got a lot of good nuggets, really interesting story from being a pharmacist to owning pharmacies to his real estate and coaching business that he has now. He's also hosting a three-day real estate and business conference and expo here in Phoenix, April 12th through the 14th at the Orange Tree Golf Resort. That's April 12th through the 14th. Contactstuart.com for those of you. It's not just real estate. It's not just business. It's both things, and it's a three-day fantastic event, and Stuart will tell us a little bit more about it. But Stuart, thanks for being here today. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. So I want to talk a little bit. As you, as you know, a lot of our listeners are new entrepreneurs, stuck entrepreneurs, or people who want to get out of their current situation by starting a business. They've got an idea, but they're a little scared. They want to take that next step, really learn from people who have done it. Sure. And you've done it now multiple times. But tell us a little bit when you got started. Where did you go to pharmacy school? And what did that look like? Thanks. So I actually, Adam, uh, thanks for having me. And thanks for having me on the show. Actually, at the, at the end of the day, I really wanted to be a major league baseball player. So when that wasn't working out as I planned, my dad was a pharmacist. My grandpa was a pharmacist. My uncle Max was a pharmacist back in Chicago. So it just kind of made sense for me to go into pharmacy. But I, again, not liking the cold weather in Chicago, took it upon myself after I graduated to move to Arizona and start practicing pharmacy. And did you work in a pharmacy that you knew someone who owned or did you just start one from scratch? No, I started working for a small company out of Chicago called Walgreens. I've heard, heard of them? them? I've heard yeah. of them, yeah. And, and what I learned as I started working for them, that I really wasn't a very good employee. They want everything to be in this little box and you got to do everything in this the, the way that they do it. And I just like doing things my way. So the coup de grace for me was uh, when I went out to help a customer decide on what pain medicines she should get for her infant, as I was coming back into the pharmacy, the store manager stopped me and said, you're not to leave the pharmacy because when you leave the pharmacy, everything slows down. You stay in the pharmacy and do not come out till your shift is over. And I found that a little peculiar because I wanted to help people and this woman needed help. That's really, I had that epiphany. This probably wasn't for me. So, so, so you... You knew that you weren't a good employee. That's right. But it's still a big leap to do your own thing. What what went through your head in that process? Oh, I think I was just young and foolish and thought I was unstoppable. And I knew and I, I knew the process. I knew how to fill prescriptions. I knew how to run inventory. So because I knew all those things, it must be easy to run your own business. So I just stopped and opened up a pharmacy in Mesa and got a real good education. <laughs> and, <laughs> so I bet those first few days were were good, bad. Oh yeah. But you know, if you look back, what was one lesson that if you when you started your second one or when you started sure. your real estate business that you said I'm not doing that again? So for the, so the first gold nugget is going to be that business is for gladiators. If you're not going to be a warrior or a gladiator, if you can't have thick skin, if you can't fight the fight uh, honorably and ethically then maybe it's just not for you being an entrepreneur because it's a war. 
And in business, you're either shrinking or growing. You're never really staying the same. And so I learned when I started business, whether it was pharmacy or real estate or whatever, nobody really beat a path to my door and said, oh, I'm so glad you're in business. We've been looking for something like you. It's already existed. So now you got to start claiming your market share. So probably the most important thing for me, another nugget that I learned was being a marketer. Something they don't really teach in pharmacy school or in college, but you have to have someone out there tooting your horn. And if no one else will do it for you because they don't know you yet, you got to, you got to start doing that. And you know, Adam, and I know you know this, when you start a business, you do everything. You answer the phone, you raise the capital, you do the marketing, whatever it is, you're it. So it takes a lot of time and energy as well. No, I appreciate that. I want to come back to you. You mentioned that you have to be a marketer and, and you have to really stake your claim. When, when you look at the pharmacy business, it's a very brand-driven business now. Sure. People know the Walgreens, the Oscos, the big names. Sure. Yeah, they send out their circulars and they do their advertising, but they're really – it's a brand that people are drawn to and already know. As a small business – it's really hard to get people to know your brand. So how do you market it differently than a Walgreens would? So we would focus on different items than Walgreens. Walgreens would do mainstream. We did a lot of compounding uh, uh, and made stuff for animals and made stuff for individuals. Uh, I'm a certified fitter. So if you needed a wrist splint or a neck brace or a back brace, I'm qualified to do that. We did a lot of homeopathic and herbal medication. And so just getting out there and telling people that you exist there are people out there, Adam, they, they want to get their prescription and they would want to get their dry cleaning and milk and their shotgun shells all under one roof. And for them, Walmart is perfect. And then there's some people that have some health challenges and they'd like a healthcare professional on their team. So when you go to an independent pharmacy, that's they know your name, they know your medical condition, and they're part of your team. So we're looking for that niche. And believe it or not, there were a lot of people in that niche. And so you figured out your differentiators and told that story. Exactly. So for everyone out there, when they're looking at their business, whether they're a a coach like I am mm-hmm. or whether they're a real estate investor like you are now mm-hmm. or whether they are a psychologist or a financial advisor or an accountant, there's a big broad category there. But there are probably differentiators that they have, and that was something that you used, correct? Absolutely. And then here's another myth, and this was an epiphany for me. In order for, for me to have more does not mean someone else has to have less. So in order for me to fill more prescriptions or help more coaching clients does not mean my competitors have to have less. There's enough for everybody. No one's ever going to corner the market share on anything because people resonate with different personalities, different price points. And so we're just looking to create our niche and make our move in in people that we resonate and bond to. We call that our community. That's fantastic. And and you went from that one store to, I believe you had eight, correct? You no, had we had three. We had three, three total three. stores, two okay. were retail uh, in the Valley. One was at Tatum and Dynamite in North Scottsdale. They're still there. The other is at Central and Camelback, right in the middle of Phoenix. It's still there. And then we did a nursing home pharmacy off uh, Cave Creek in the 101. Uh, and we were in about 35 states when we sold. And that long-term did um, uh, hospice, did oncology, assisted living, nursing homes. So very di- we, were, we were well diversified. So for, for those listeners that have one store or have one location mm-hmm. and are looking to do what you did and expand it, sure. how did you, one, determine that you could make the second one happen without the same amount of risk you started with? Sure. And how did you go about picking the timing and the location for it? 
So just like you would pick the location for whatever first uh, store you had or retail outlet, you'd go probably go through the same procedure from demographics and such. But the real key to expansion is to realize that you can't do it alone, that you need to be able to lean on other people. And I've seen with our coaching clients in business, whether they have a cleaning service, whatever business they have, as they hire people to take their job doing the cleaning, the people that they used to clean for, they want them. They don't like their cleaning service because those other guys don't do as good of a job as they did. And that's the biggest obstacle, even in construction, when people want to graduate and grow their construction business. No one does the drywall, the framing as good as they do, or the painting as as good as they do. So you have to accept the fact that if you want to grow, that you're going to have to lean on people that may not be as good as you, but you need to oversee and spot check to make sure that they meet a certain level of quality. So that, that team component is critical in running pharmacies just like it is in, on a baseball field or just like it is in a big corporation for those that are still employees, right? You still have to rely on your partners to help you. And, and I love how you put that as your partners because they're not so much your employees or they're not so much your 1099 folks. They're your partners. You lean on them to represent you and do the quality work that you expect them to do. And sometimes, believe it or not, people let you down. And so I'm it sure does we all happen. know how that is, it right? It does happen. <laughs> so, but that's the growing pains that you have. And so the second nugget of all the nuggets, you need to work with rock stars. And people are, and everybody's a rock star at something. And sometimes you'll notice that rock stars are born rock stars and they need some polishing. So you can find a rock star in one area of your business. And as you move them over to another area, they're not as good. So you want to make sure you got the right people in the right places. That, that makes sense. And that, that's critical for any growing business. For you, you, you ended up, you had the three, you mm-hmm. sold that business, mm-hmm. and then you had to go do something else. Mm-hmm. What was it that, that drew you into real estate? Was it the desire to, to get out and start another business or were, tell us, you know, what happened after you sold them, I guess. So, so I grew up in Chicago and when I was a little kid, like seven, eight, nine, ten years old, they, they, there was this first infomercial on TV from this guy named Dave Daldato. And he uh, had was in, in Hawaii interviewing these young men with long, flowing blonde hair, surfing every day. And when the weather wasn't good, they worked on real estate deals and made tons and tons of money. And I said, oh, my, that's what I want to be when I grow up. So and when I sold the pharmacy business, I said, oh, I, I don't have blonde hair and it's not long and flowing, but let me give it a go with this real estate because everybody on television, they make it look so easy. All you got to do is find this property. You do a little bit of this to it, put lipstick on a pig and you make tons and tons of money. So I thought I would give that a little bit of a whirl. And how did that start out? Yeah, that didn't go as well as you expected <laughs> to be. Because there's more to it than that. And I learned from whatever business you're in that business is business, regardless really of what business you're in. Whether you need rock star people, the foundation, the working capital. When you start out, you do it all yourself. And so I built this business from the ground up. And thinking that people would be the path to my door because they knew me from this other business and I was had high integrity. They'd want to invest with me. And all I heard was crickets. So... You, you had a group of people that knew you, trusted you, had done business with you. Absolutely. And you assumed that why wouldn't they do business with you again? Sure. And you didn't have a track record yet. Was that? That's correct. And they all knew me as a pharmacist. So when they put on, when I changed hats and said, hey, I'm going to try this over here. Well, they would call me with pharmacy questions. <laughs> right. So you had you had not only to learn a new business, mm-hmm. to build that business, mm-hmm. you had to change the perception of who you were. 
I remember going to my first local RIA meeting and I was talking to my coach. And I said to him, when people at when people used to, and I just sold the pharmacies, when people asked me what I do, I'd say, oh, I'm a pharmacist. I, I own local pharmacies here in town. And I do a little bit of real estate investing on the side. And I don't, I can't say that anymore because I don't own those pharmacies. So I said to my coach, what do I say? I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a bit. I don't have any lines. He said, well, whatever you say the first time, by the time you say it about 10 times and a hundred times and a thousand times, you'll develop whatever it is that you want to develop. So it was very awkward in the beginning when people said, what do you do? I'd stumble. Well, I have this real estate company where I'm looking to raise some money maybe and maybe do some, try some fix and flips or this thing called wholesaling. And so I certainly didn't come off. I'm sure as very confident as I did, maybe as I do now, or back when I had my own business and it was thriving. So certainly was humbling. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, but 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 now it's successful. And it's thank you. You yeah, you, you've got coaching clients, you've got properties, you've yes. got cash flow coming in. Yes. Stuart also has a Wednesday nightclub, which it's the third Wednesday of every month. Mm-hmm. Um it's I believe at ten dollars. Drink a glass of wine and listen to great speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly focused on real estate, but there are some other topics that he brings in. So, in addition to the real estate, you've got your Wednesday nightclub. Yes, and you've got this three-day event that you're doing April 12th through the 14th. Yes, those in and of themselves are separate businesses. They're, they are they are tributaries. One thing that I really love doing, and when I was owning pharmacies, I taught the certified pharmacy technician program for a local community college out here called Rio Salado Community College. And I really enjoyed it. And I, I guess I was good at it because they kept on inviting me back. When that went to go online only, I, I did teach it online and I didn't enjoy it as much, even though I was grading papers online and the interaction wasn't there. So I reached out to the local real estate investor association and said, would you like anybody to teach him classes? I'm pretty bright on doing this thing that I do called lease options. And the guy interviewed me and said, I'll let you teach my lease options class. And one thing led to another. And uh, and that gave me some credibility and some exposure as well is educating. So I've taken that, I'd say, to another level because there are so many people out there that need a second or third stream of income. And they just, there are only so many hours in a day, Adam. And if you took out how much you make an hour and you multiplied it by every hour of every day without taking a break, a pee, a lunch, a vacation, nothing, that is the most money you could possibly make in a given year. And and then all you're doing is just working all the time. So there needs to be another way, I, I, I thought, to help people learn how to bring in another s- series of cash flow. It doesn't have to be much. 500 bucks, a thousand bucks a month. We can start there, but that's just passive cash flow that keeps on coming in month after month with very, with little or no aggravation. And so that's what I set out to do. Last year we did a one day and it was tremendously successful. You know, I hate to say it, um, but I, I'd watch cartoons when I was a kid and there was this uh, cartoon called the Flintstones and they would had an episode on real estate. And I, I caught one the other day watching the Flintstones and the concepts haven't changed much since the bedrock <laughs> years, you know, you find a good property, you fix it up, you rent it or you sell it. I mean, it's the idea hasn't changed, but showing you what to do and then telling you how to do it are two different things. So you probably know what to do. You, you know that you should buy something or you should do something, but the biggest fear is how to do it and how to do it with, with to hedge your, hedge your risk so you don't lose any money, so you don't lose any time. And so that's what we do. We show you how to do it. That's great. And for, for the real estate investors, and I've been to your events, um, they keep coming back. So, um, you're, you're building a little tribe of, of new real estate investors that are getting great information. So I know a number of people that I work with 
they they're like you. They they've got something good going on, and then they they see a shiny penny, and they're like, oh, I'll do an event, and then they see something else, and they're like, oh, I'll do this network marketing company on the side, and oh, I'll dabble in real estate, and unfortunately, they suffer, all of them suffer, and they sure. do just a generally crappy job at all of them. Sure. So, how do you? talk to different people in your life about focusing on one thing and doing it well versus what you're doing is being successful at four. What's the <laughs> skill set that allows you to be successful at four different things at once? Well, the number, the, I don't know if there's a skill set, but the most important thing is that I can't do it alone. And so the the, the team that I've assembled with, with Liz, uh, Dolly and Don and others and Brandon, again, I, I couldn't do it alone. Uh, but then at the end of the day, you would start with the end in mind. What are you trying to create and making sure that it's realistic? Is it some passive cash flow? How much money do you have to start with now? I've taken down properties with literally no money down where people have just given me their house and walked away because they just don't want it anymore for whatever reason. So the, the, uh, the excuse of I, I don't, I got no money. That's just an excuse. So we start with the end in mind. What are we trying to accomplish? And you just time frame it. And just like you eat an elephant in bite sized pieces, we just start from the beginning. And we just keep moving forward little bits at a time and you gain momentum, you gain some traction and, and you plant some seeds. And I promise you when you do that, those seeds grow. The only thing I can't promise you is when they grow, but they need water and they need sunlight. And if you don't attend to them, you're going to get distracted by the next new shiny thing because someone is going to come to town and want to sell you to do this or internet marketing. So you have to have that commitment. Because there's going to be, if you don't have that commitment, there's going to be some bumps in the road and you're going to get discouraged. And that's why people look to the next new shiny thing. They're not getting results. They get discouraged. They get distracted. And then they move on. Interesting that you say that, that it's not, that the success doesn't come right away, obviously, but also that little bumps are not the end. One of the greatest coaches and, and speakers that I've ever been introduced to, Dr. Nito Cobain, he's a High Point University president. He says there are no unrealistic goals, just unrealistic timeframes. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you, you, you agree with that line of thinking. Dr. Cobain, I, I, I've heard him speak. He's, he is absolutely spot on. So the, the, I think the, um, the main thing is just getting started and getting a good foundation. And again, the good foundation starts with the end in mind. What are you really trying to accomplish? What's the big picture? And like the doctor said, what's the time frame to make sure that it's realistic? So if you have no money and you'd like to make about $10 million in real estate by the end of this year, probably unrealistic, right? But if you want to acquire a property or create some cash flow by the end of this year, we could probably do it over the next few months. So very realistic. And so you've got, you had your pharmacies, you've got your real estate, you've got your three-day event, and those are all different skill sets, it would appear to the outside person because pharmacy and real estate and running an event, different things. But but what what skills do you use that are common amongst the three? Dude, that is a great question. So so thank you for that. So so certainly when we owned farm when I owned pharmacies, we had to learn about inventory control and I had to go to pharmacy school and learn about pharmacokinetics and pharmacognosy and all that pharmacy stuff. But really, Adam, I'm running a business. That business is a pharmacy business or a certified fitting business or health health equipment business. So I take those same principles of business and move them to an accounting firm or a movie store or a real estate business. Those principles of business stay the same. The business that you're in might change. So now I'm in the real estate business, but it's still a business nonetheless. I still have the payroll. I still have inventory. 
So those are the principles that you use, the principles of business. And I'd like to say that they've changed over the last 2,000 or 3,000 years. They haven't. What has changed is maybe the way we communicate with each other, the technology that we use, but the concepts, the concepts stay the same. That's great. And um, the, the concept of business, and that, that's one of the things that that I want to get across with this podcast and with my guests is you all have very different backgrounds, all came from different worlds doing different things, but a an accountant can take that nugget that you just gave right there and apply it to their business, even though you're in, we're in pharmacy, now in real estate, and he or she's in accounting, the concepts are always the same. Absolutely. And I'm, it's funny that you mentioned accounting because there are accountants in this in this world, believe it or not, that they don't have the most bubbly personalities. And so they may not feel comfortable going out and marketing or knocking on doors and promoting themselves. They're just not comfortable with that. There are attorneys that I know they're not comfortable or physicians not comfortable doing that. So we want to work with what's in your, what I call your sweet spot. What are you comfortable doing? Are you comfortable doing this? Are you not comfortable doing that? So there's a difference of what should you be doing and what shouldn't you be doing. So for the longest time, I was doing the books. I, I, I could do them. Should I do them? Probably not. But could I? Absolutely. So as I grew, I had to learn to trust someone to lean on to do the books for me. So if marketing's not your strong point because you're just not comfortable with it and you don't know how to do a Facebook ad or LinkedIn, then, then, then you shouldn't be doing that. Then let's lean on someone who does that, who's a rock star in that area, to do that for you in your business. And let's focus on your strengths. We focus on your strengths and we shore up on your weaknesses tell you a funny story yeah so i got a daughter great i have two daughters but one of my daughters was a lot like her dad she couldn't sit still in class she was a social she's a social butterfly just like her dad and i would get check marks on the back of my report card can't sit still can't do this can't do that right and so i would go to my daughter's parent teacher conference and they would commend her on what a great student she was in literature and in english and in writing but as far as math and science was concerned you know she really wasn't that strong so they suggested i get her a tutor and, or, or go to one of these uh, uh, organizations where they teach outside school and, and tutor one-on-one to get better in math and to get better in science. And I just shook my head and said, you know, if she's a rock star in this area over here, and that's the area she wants to perform, why do we have to make sure she's a rock star also in math and in science? That's just not her strong point. But when we go to our schools today, they want everybody to get A's. It's unacceptable if you're not, if you're not thriving in one area, you need to get a tutor. Dude, I just don't subscribe to that. Let's stick with your strengths. You know, you wouldn't tell Tiger Woods that he should take more accounting classes. He could hire an accountant. That's what he should be doing because he has his strengths. So we figure out what your strengths are. And and, uh, one thing I learned about my daughter, to be honest with you, is just stay out of her way because she is so motivated. And when I try to bring her to get tutors and this and that, she would go kicking and screaming and not really get anything out of it. So she taught me that we, when we work with people, what are your strengths? What do you enjoy doing? What should you be doing? What shouldn't you be doing? Let's put something, a plan together with a big picture in mind, and we take those baby steps to get there. It's a great lesson is to know what you're good at, write it down, and hire, get those partners like we talked about earlier right. to do the other parts for you. And some of those partners you're going to pay. And, right? and why not let them make a living? Right. But if you don't have any money, sometimes those partners can be actual partners. Absolutely. You can joint venture with folks. You can trade with folks. Uh, Folks, uh, believe it or not, I ask someone for a favor. And I I always come in and try to do what I can to help people because you never know when down the road you might need a favor. And so there are people enjoy helping other people. 
And so especially when you're just getting going. But I love your idea of joint ventures. I joint venture with a lot of folks. They bring us deals or they ask how do we show them how. We work with them. And most people that I've been in our community, that's how they are. There's enough for everybody. I think that's a great way to end. There's enough for everybody. Thank you. And um, obviously, Stuart is a very giving person. He just gave a ton of information to Thank us you. here. Um, so for those of you who want to contact him, contact Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T dot com. Um, he does have his three-day real estate and business conference here in Phoenix. I believe it's technically Paradise Valley, April 12th through the 14th. At the Orange Tree. His phone number is 480-443-4500. Definitely get in contact with him. Get in contact with me, Adam, at the1495group.com or coachadamkipnis.com are my websites. You can find out more information. And there are tons of free nuggets on both my sites that will help you in your business. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA. See you next time. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.